Good morning. There it is. Yeah. My wife says, has told me many times I'm an angel, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, she's my wife, okay, so. is that? Who, who's, what's this voice? <laughs> Crying in the wilderness. <laughs> I think it's really important that we don't take ourselves too seriously. Would you say amen to that? It says laughter is like medicine to the soul. Anyway, uh, today is the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and on Friday, how many of you remembered that? Yeah, it, because of the Roe v. Wade thing, I think, and we, I actually did a message on, in August, because the Roe v. Wade decision was in June, so we didn't feel we could wait, so in August I did a message, I called it Holding Fast the Word of Life, the faith, hope, and love that is the church, and I believe the church is making tremendous impact in this area, and we saw Roe v. Wade overturned, so that message has a lot of resources in it, and a lot of ways to serve and help in that whole thing. So uh, just to, to sort of, for, just for this morning, for our sake, just as a reminder, it's not complicated, the issue. There's one question, that's the answer. If a person is willing to think it through honestly, Greg Kokel, who stand to reason, says, if the unborn is not human, no justification for abortion is necessary. If the unborn is human, no justification for abortion is adequate. That, that captures it. Pastor David Platt said, whenever we decide our definition of personhood is wiser than God's, that always leads to justifying oppression and evil, unquote. And then finally, from Sean, Carn- from Sean Carney of 40 Days for Life said, we, might fight the temp- we must fight the temptation that love is possible without truth, unquote. It's not possible. So the truths of these things. So this is a reminder, and I'll pray when we go into our study this morning, but I also want to, before we, before I ask you to stand, uh, we have these prayer requests that are on your chair. These are, this says, My Prayer 2023, so all through January, we're collecting these to go into these prayer bowls. In Revelation 5, it talks about these golden bowls in heaven that have all the prayers of the saints that are going to be emptied out, so we're, we have these two bowls, so anytime, uh, actually anytime, because we're going to keep these up here now as a part of our Sunday, so you can put put your prayer requests in there. They will be prayed for when we get them, uh, usually about once a month, that your, your actual prayer by someone personally will be praying that through. And then also, new this year is this green card, which says, this is my prayer 2023, and this is his answer 2023. And David Zilberberg and John King just finished this bowl up here. And so I was walking up the stairs, and I saw it, and it looked like a trumpet. I thought, we're going to call that the trumpet bowl. And so from Psalm 140, 150, let's do, you need to stay seated, but let's do a little uh, uh, responsive reading. I'll do the first, you do the second. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. In fact, that song we, we sang uh, this morning, the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Praise him with the trumpet. Your, your turn. Verse 4. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Praise the Lord. So this bowl, this trumpet bowl now, if you have answers to things the Lord's done, please write them out on those green ones, put them in there, and we're going to keep us, all of us encouraged about what God is doing in answering prayers. That's one of the things that we wanted to this year be more aware of. How's God answering prayer? So that's the bowl for you, okay? And then also on your, on your chair this morning, you have this card, uh, Week of Praying and Fasting for CCS. Now, what we've done in, in the past uh, was at the focus dinner, we would just ask us to spend the week following just to fast and pray over the things we heard. Someone suggested doing that before, and I thought, that's a great idea. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray the book of Ephesians. We're going to Ephesians on Wednesday night. 
So if you look at that card on Monday, it will begin uh, this Monday, tomorrow, January 23rd. Read and pray Ephesians 1. How do I do that? Read, read Ephesians 1 and ask the Holy Spirit just to bring things to mind as you're praying. Now, the thing about Ephesians is a couple actual prayers that you might as well just recite it to the Lord for Calvary Chapel South. But then you get into chapter 4, 5, and 6. It's very practical. So chapter 4 talks about the, the leaders, gifted leaders in the church, talks about marriage, talks about moms and dads. So there's a lot of things in there. So if tomorrow you would begin, just read Ephesians 1, maybe with your, 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 if you're married with your spouse, read it and just spend a little time praying for Calvary Chapel South as the Lord would lead. Uh, fasting is just denying ourselves food for the sake of focus. So if that would be something you'd want to do, then certainly that would be appreciated, okay? Praying for our church. So we're going to have a Wednesday, the Wednesday service this week will be a prayer meeting. Thursday from 10 to noon is actually the seniors prayer meeting, but I, I asked Kathy about that, and she said for sure. So that's open from 10 to noon. They'll be praying, and we can join them. On Saturday at 8 o'clock, the hour of prayer, and the next Sunday is the focus, uh, focus Sunday. So with that, would you open your Bibles and stand with me as I read Hebrews chapter 13. I'm just going to read through verse 9 as we open God's word. If you would stand in honoring God's word, he said he, he, he honors his word above his name. So we love to stand and just read his word and ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, which I will do, to bless the word to our hearts. Let brotherly love continue. Hebrews 13, 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by, for, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Remember those who rule over you, have spoken the word of God to you. Whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been, who have been occupied with them. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. Alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide between the thoughts and intents of our hearts. You, Lord, through your word, want to speak to us. You want to convict us of the things that are going on in our lives. You want to encourage us in the ways you're working those things out. You want to give us peace that passes understanding, removing the anxieties that are so prevalent. Lord, speak to us, I pray this morning, through your word. The things that I've prepared, please break them fresh, feed us. We are hungry for you. Taste and see the Lord is good. So bless this time in your word, I ask in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. You can be seated. So in Hebrews chapter 12, this whole little series looking unto Jesus, in Hebrews 12 it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those witnesses I believe basically point back to Hebrews 11. He says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets. In other words, things that are not sin can still get in our way. Every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus, and then we looked at looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. And so we've looked in our last couple studies how to not fall short of the grace of God, look carefully, Come to Jesus continually and serve God acceptably. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, since you are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We're going to now talk about this whole idea of serving God acceptably. How to serve God acceptably. Three things, simple outline if it helps you. Look to Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you say amen on that one? Look to you. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is our perfect 
living example of what we are seeking to run toward. Looking unto Jesus, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Secondly, look to Jesus who suffered, notice, who suffered on the cross to sanctify your life through the cross. There's this sanctifying process that we are in as believers, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus went to the cross in order that our lives might be not only saved, but sanctified for his purposes through the cross. And then thirdly, look to Jesus who is the great shepherd of the sheep. That'll be next week. That'll be our sort of our benedictory uh, uh, study in Hebrews, our, this great shepherd of the sheep. So Hebrews 13, 1. First thing, love people, this whole idea of how to serve God acceptably, love people with the same kindness and gentleness of Jesus. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He is gentle. He's the shepherd. He is kind beyond all measure. And so let brotherly love continue. Now, there are four different words, others also, but four main words for love in the Greek. Number one is eros, which means erotic or sexual love. Storhe is family love. Agape, many of you know this, God's unchanging and unconditional love is called agape, a different word used to describe God's love. But this word here is the word phileo or Philadelphia, which means the city of brotherly love. It means this affection, this kindness, a good friendship. It says, let that continue. Don't lose that. Don't stop that. Let brotherly love continue. Love people with the same kindness and gentleness of Jesus. How to serve God acceptably. It's not complicated either. Be kind. Be gentle. In Romans, he says, be kindly affectionate, affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. How do we do that? In honor, prefer one another. Again, not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. These are all things that are lovingly affectionate and kind in building in relationship. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. In Matthew, this, this I find fascinating when I first saw it. And it was only a couple of months ago. Then Jesus, it says, went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and notice, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. In other words, what strikes me is, with, even though there's all these miraculous healings, people's bodies or whatever being healed, yet that didn't meet the deepest need that we have as human beings. And so it says there, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because he saw them and realized what they want is to be cared for. What they want is a shepherd they know cares for their souls. All the physical healings will never meet that need that Jesus will meet through us, being kind and gentle. So we are to let brotherly love continue and continue to be showing kindness and gentleness to one another. Continue to lay aside the nitpicky stuff that can get in the way and it means really nothing. And be kind-hearted. This is always acceptable to God. It's the heart of God. Love people with the same kindness and gentleness of Jesus. He says, do not forget to entertain strangers. No, it's showing hospitality for people we don't know, being kind to people we don't know. And, it, you know, this is a huge requirement of those who are called to leadership in the church, hospitality. Mentioned a couple times, Paul to Timothy and Titus. Now, in those days, he says, a bishop that must be hospitable to one another, and, and Peter says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. But in those days, many a traveling minister relied upon those in the body, the church, to provide housing and meals for them. The hotels were notoriously bad, even dangerous. So this is what was being addressed somewhat here, to be hospitable, to show kindness and gentleness, to, enter, to show that to strangers. 
Now, as is always the case, there were those who would seek to take advantage of that. So I, this, this is fascinating to me because he says Christians there had to be very discerning as to who they were entertaining, who they are allowing. And many that would come, would, not many, some that would come were masquerading as Christians to take advantage of the hospitality. So listen, this, is, this again is in the didactic, which was an early church manual. It was written between 90 and 110 A.D., it laid out some very practical guidelines. Quote, let every apostle that comes to you be received as the Lord, but he shall not remain except one day. But if there be need, also the next, but if he remains three days, he's a false apostle. Wow, you got two days, pal. You're not going to take, so this, this is what they were laying out. It says, and when the apostle goes away, let him take nothing but bread, but he asks for money, he's a false apostle, unquote. Boy, some, some of these people who are masquerading and using the gospel for their own, for lining their pockets, woe to them. But for, he says, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. So according to this, that stranger might be an angel. Do you believe in angels? Come to the focus dinner and you will. <laughs> Do you know what one angel said to the other angel? Halo. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> the word angels means messengers. And so it may be that these human beings are just human beings, but they're speaking to your life, my life, by coming and saying, what would God have me to do? How would God have me to treat them? And receiving through this, you know, in a sense, a test to see, are we going to treat them kindly, gently, generous, gen generously? Now, I do believe in angels. In fact, Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering angels sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? You and I have angels. You're, you should be thankful I'm not, I'm not your guardian angel. Real supernatural beings who are watching over our lives. I can tell, there's one, I won't, it's a longer story, but I know one particular time and others as I look at it, but one particular time I know an angel took hold of a van that I was in that was going 60 miles an hour backwards on the snow in, New in upstate New York and just kind of turned it and then bam, and nothing happened when I should have been dead. And some of you can, you know, you, I think it's kind of fun. Think about angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, verse 3, those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. So love people with the same kindness and gentleness and awareness and attentiveness of Jesus. He came to set at liberty those who were captive, spiritually speaking. Remember the prisoners. This has direct reference to believers who were imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. They were being mistreated. And since you yourselves are in the body, you're a part of the church. You should be able, there should be this need. We can't necessarily go to them or even to identify with them. But we certainly, though inadequately, try and put ourselves in their shoes. Try to put ourselves in their cell. How do we do that? Just talking to Byron about this a little bit in the, in the lobby. At least begin by reading about like the Fox's Book of Martyrs. The Voice of Martyrs is a, is a ministry ongoing that's been going for a long time, and they send out these monthly uh, magazines. And so just reading about these different situations and realizing it's really bad for some, some of our brothers and sisters in this world. I mean, really bad. In this voice, the latest, that's what the front of the latest email was. Prayer changes people, Voice of the Martyrs. So it just came out January 21st. Attacks on Christians are common in parts of Africa, but we, can, but we can stand with them in their time of need, learn how to pray more specifically for persecuted Christians in Africa at the link below. So they give you all these things, and there's tons of resources out there to at least begin, and I, I, have, I have to admit myself, much included, to, to really begin to try and identify 
as he says here. How is it that we remember the prisoners? We pray for them. We ask the Lord to, that we might pray for them. Verse 4, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will, ju will judge. So not only love people, but love marriage. Love marriage with the same boundaries of honor and purity as Jesus. Love marriage. That's how we serve God acceptably. We honor marriage. There are boundaries in relationships, uh, in sexual relationships, and that boundary is marriage. The only sexual relationship acceptable to God is within the marriage relationship. The only marriage relationship acceptable to God is between two people of the opposite sex, one a biological male and the other a biological woman. All others are wrong, sinful, and may God will judge. I'm not making that up. God designed it that way. God said that with many warnings throughout the scriptures. Fornicators, any unmarried person having sexual relations with, with dark, and I would say with darkening degrees of perversion, be it actual or imagined, God will judge. Homosexuality is wrong. The, all these things that we're being, that are being jettisoned on us and even fought in the streets of our nation for that God calls an abomination. God will judge. Adulterers, any married person having sexual relations with someone other than their spouse, be it actual or imagined, God will judge. I hope if there's anyone listening, I, th this is the truth for them. I hope your conscience is bothering you because of it. I hope it's bothering you to the point of you're, you're sort of dreading that your sin will find you out. It feels good, so you do it. But at what cost? At what cost to your marriage? At what cost to your children? At what cost to that other person? If you're not married. The Bible has much to say about the temptation of sexual lust. Especially to men. That's why I hope some of you men who haven't come, you will come on Monday night once a month to the King's Men. Because we are there together to be encouraged to stay the course and to live for God and love God and listen to God and live our lives. And if need be in repentance toward God, that the doors of his grace and mercy are open wide. We might receive forgiveness, receive healing through the power of the Holy Spirit and the fellowship of other brothers. I would say to you men, read Proverbs 5, read Proverbs 6, read Proverbs 7. Memorize them. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion. So lacking. And your lips may keep knowledge. Talk to yourself about these things. Say what's true. Say what's right. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. And her mouth is smoother than oil. Looks so sweet. So smooth. So tempting. Proverbs 7, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. That, you may keep, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. And just read those, five, those three Proverbs. Loose, carefree, and careless attitudes towards sexual morality has been a major factor, if not the major factor, in the destruction of our nation. And that's the truth. And if that's the case, will not certainly destroy you? Can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? Proverbs 6. Thessalonians, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. First Peter, beloved, I beg you 
Peter. As sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Abstain. Now, we're taking our prayer requests here. We're going to be incorporating prayer much more into our services. If that's an issue for you, at least put a prayer request in there and we'll pray for you. Start somewhere. We have CCS Winter Group Catalog. For men, seven pillars. For men, the conquer series. Women, the hem of his garment. Binding up the brokenhearted. Betrayal and beyond. Three, three groups that are there to minister the love, mercy, forgiveness, and power of the Holy Spirit to change our lives, no matter how bad it's gotten. To reconcile, no matter how bad it's gotten. Verse chapter 5, Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Learn within to be without. Learn that Jesus is enough. You want to serve God acceptably? Is Jesus enough? So many distractions, so many other things we became clamoring for and desiring after, coveting, that can ruin serving God acceptably. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Paul said, I have learned. He learned it. And it is something we must learn. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Are you content this morning? Whatever state, whatever you have or don't have, are you content? A Roman Stoic philosopher said, it is not the man who has too little, but the man who craves more. That is poor. Will Rogers says, you probably heard this before in some form, too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like, unquote. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And you know that and I know that. How many of those things that you've possessed did anything to, your, to really enhance your soul? They emptied the wallet but did nothing for the heart. That takes a relationship with God. That takes being rich in the things of God. Timothy said, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For he brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. There it is, nothing, nothing, nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Doesn't put a house in there. Doesn't put a car in there. Says, with these food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare Many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money. That's the problem. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from what? The faith in what? Their greediness. Let your conduct be without covetousness. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, which is what we're going to be pursuing as men this year. Faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you're also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many. You stay in the midst of those witnesses. You stay in the midst of those you confess, and you live your life in fellowship that will help you and strengthen you as me also. Now, why should I be content? Because I know that Jesus will take care of me. He'll take care of me. He is my defense and my shield and my provider. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. For he himself has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What I will not fear, what can man do? The fear of man is a snare, it says in Proverbs. It does not matter what I may not have so long as I have Jesus. Now that's not simplistic. That's the truth. If I really know him and love him and listen to him and look to him, you realize he is all I need to live this life acceptably before God. It does not matter what others may say or do against me. I have Jesus. 
take away everything I have, but you can't take away my Jesus. Do you know him? And not only that, you can't take away, but he said, I'm not going away. <laughs> I'm with you till the very end. He may not make you a millionaire, but he'll never leave you or forsake you. The reason we may not have a lot of money or material things is because Jesus knows it would draw us away from him, and that would break his heart. He desires this deepening fellowship with you and for me. And the deceitfulness of riches, the cares for other things, choke out the word of God and our relationship with God. Proverbs says, will you set your eyes on that, on that which is really not? Is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. <laughs> that is the truth. Look to Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Love people with the same kindness. Love marriage with the same boundaries. Learn within to be without. Learn that Jesus is enough. And then this one. How am I going to loving leadership that reflects the heart of Jesus? How am I going to serve? There's leadership. He says, remember those who rule over you. Now, our culture today is saying no one's going to rule over me. If you don't do what I like, I'm going to destroy your city like Atlanta. This happened. Hebrews 13, 7, obey those who rule over you. Hebrews 13, 24, greet all those who rule over you. So three times in this chapter, he's saying those who rule over you, leadership. Godly leaders who look to Jesus, who listen to Jesus, who live for Jesus because they love Jesus. How we need godly leadership. Who have spoken the word of God to you. Every Focus Sunday message. I like to read this from our website. We believe that the 66 books of the Bible, the scriptures that make up the Old and New Testament, are the inspired, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative word of God and are the, are the infallible rule of faith and practice. The word of God is the foundation upon which this church operates and is the basis on which the church is governed. We believe that the word of God supersedes any earthly law that is contrary to the Holy Scriptures, unquote. Now, I talk about this all the time. I hope you love it. Because this word, is the foundation for all of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. It's living and powerful, sharpening it to its sword. It discerns the thoughts and intents of our hearts. It's proper doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to serve God acceptably? This thing's got to be central. Who have spoken the word of God to you? Consider the outcome of their conduct, their whole manner of life. Look at their lives. Are they living for Jesus? Do they love Jesus? Are they pointing you to Jesus? Because that's the key of leadership, loving leadership. Their lifestyle should be one of simplicity and contentment that reflects a deep commitment to the authority of the word of God. As a result, they are growing their love for Jesus in both their learning and their living on every front, mentally. Morally, spiritually, practically. They're becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And listen, you can see it. You can see them growing. Again, the King's Men Spiritual Disciplines. Next month, we're going to talk about learning and persevering. How we need to be learners. And persevering in these things of growth. I am personally and forever grateful for the things that Chuck Smith taught me about the Bible and from the Bible and by his example as my pastor whose faith I follow. What did he tell me? Not directly, but just as he would be ministering over five years that I was in, in, his, in his church to stay focused on teaching the word of God. To feed the flock of God which is among you. Healthy sheep reproduce. To be diligent to present myself approved, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
1 Timothy, Paul said to him, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Stay in it. Secondly, to have complete dependence on the Holy Spirit. That is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What a great truth that is foundational again to the, church, the church's operations. It's the spirit of God working through the word of God to change the people of God. I've changed that a little bit. It's the word of God, spirit of God working through the word of God to change people's lives. Because the Holy Spirit through the word to the unbeliever convicts them of sin and righteousness. So the Holy Spirit through the word of God is changing people's lives. How much more we who long to be transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. Focused on the word. Dependence on the Holy Spirit. And then he, he, told me, he taught me to be a servant. A minister is a servant living to serve, not be served. Not lording over people. Not exploiting people. Not being weird. <laughs> well, I'm weird, I know that, but they will not be weird in any way that draws attention to themselves. They'll be pointing you to Jesus. The fourth thing is to live a simple, modest lifestyle, not flashy or excessive. Loving leadership that reflects the heart of Jesus. Verse, the next one is learning sound doctrine. Occupy with the finished work of Jesus. How are we going to serve God acceptably? Learning sound doctrine that's occupied with the finished work of Jesus Christ. Do not be carried about, verse 9, with various and strange doctrines. For it is, for it is good the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. How am I going to serve God acceptably? Learning sound doctrine that's occupied with the finished work of Jesus. How I love how we love to talk about the finished work of Jesus. Can you imagine if it was kind of like to be continued? Ooh, what's going to happen? No, finished work of Christ. Do not be carried about by these weird, weird doctrines. Paul said to Timothy, I charge you therefore for the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance in the kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. He said to Timothy, Timothy, you stay at it. Sound doctrine. Don't be carried around with these weird doctrines and strange doctrines, and there are a ton of them all the time, all over the place. Everything needs to pass through the lens of the word of God, the filter of the word of God, the understanding of the word of God. If it doesn't line up with it, we don't want it. The time will come, he said, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, that's always the problem. Without itching ears, they want to hear what tickles the ear, what makes them feel good, like this is your best life. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. A passage I always like to get to include in this focus Sunday, in this, in this week, is, is Ephesians 4. We're going to be reading and praying this on Thursday. But he says, and he himself gives some of the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every what? Wind of doctrine. These various and strange doctrines are occupied with emphasizing outward things that can have, have absolutely do nothing to change the heart. In fact, they even make it worse most of the time. They establish a person, these, these kinds of things, in legalism and self-righteousness. That's what happens. So there becomes criticalness of spirit. There becomes divisiveness because it's not established by grace. The, out, the outcome of our conduct 
is in the content of what we are occupied with. Let me say that again. The outcome of our conduct is in the content of what we are occupied with. The whole of the gospel is occupied with Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, and who he is, and what he's doing. It's him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He who is and who was and who is to come. He is the Almighty. The first and the last who was dead and came to life. And behold, he's alive forevermore. Amen. That's my Jesus. Why would anyone want to occupy themselves with various and strange doctrines? We can occupy ourselves with God himself, the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was dead and raised and alive forevermore, the one who sits on the throne as our great high. Who would want to, why are we messing around in various and strange doctrines? I'll tell you why. They got sucked into legalism and self-righteousness. It feeds that. And Colossians says, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Colossians. You read Colossians. Great for these. Learning sound doctrine occupied with the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have an altar. Verse 10. Let us go forth to him. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Jesus suffered to sanctify our lives through the cross. Sound doctrine that on that cross Jesus suffered for us to save us from the penalty of sin and sanctify us by his Holy Spirit from the very power of sin. The doctrine of God's salvation is Jesus alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We have an altar, Christ crucified. We have an altar, the cross. Hebrews. For such a high priest, we've studied these out. Verse, chapter 7 and 9 and 10. Let's read some of them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did, look at, once for all when he offered up himself. Jesus Christ on the cross is the fulfillment of all the sacrifice for sin that were ever offered, a foreshadow of the one complete and final sin offering. His name is Jesus. He's our Savior. Let us go outside the camp. We have an altar. It's called the cross. Hebrews 9, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, nor with the, nor with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place again once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Hebrews chapter 10, it's not possible that blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sins, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. Behold, I have come. Behold, I have come in the volume of the book is written of me to do your will, O God. Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10 Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and sacrifice for sins, you did not desire and have pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will. Notice, he takes away the first and he established the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He suffered to sanctify us. To go forth to him outside the camp was to leave the sacrifice of bulls and goats that could only cover sin and to believe in the sacrifice of Jesus that takes away sin once for all. In this case, the writer is talking about leaving the camp of Judaism. The law, the legalism. But any and every religious institution, system, doctrine that denies or adds to the complete and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross must be left behind. Whether it's Judaism or Jehovah's Witness, the New Age movement or the Latter-day Saints, 
Secular humanism or Buddhism, religious science or Scientology, if in any way they deny or add to the finished work of Jesus on the cross for salvation from sin, a person must leave them if they're going to believe to salvation. For we have, and then he says, verse 14, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. As we looked at in one of our studies, Revelation chapter 21, I saw a new heaven and new earth. The first heaven and the first earth passed away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, <laughs> adorned for her husband. I just did a wedding in Hawaii. doesn't get any better than that. And every wedding, I've, I've done many weddings, when that bride makes the appearance, it's like, whew, and down the aisle to meet her groom. That's what we're looking for. The glory of such an intimate relationship that God would have with us in this new city, this new Jerusalem. Close with these, this final one. Living a sanctified life. How do we offer, serve God? Living a sanctified life of sacrifice because of Jesus. A sanctified life, in verse 13, bears his reproach. That's the first thing. When we come to Christ, in fact, in the early part of, in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with suffering, partly while we made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations. So when we came to Christ, there was that understanding. There's a separating that takes place, and in many cases, it gets mocked. It gets divided. It gets it gets volatile, reproaches for Christ's sake, no turning back, who am I going to go to? Let us continually, it says, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. I want to take these, I'm just going to list them here. We're going to communion. And I thought, this is, a, this is a great little list to say to my heart. Because when we come to communion, it's to examine ourselves in the light of the cross. To examine ourselves, in, am I serving God acceptably with godly fear? To begin just to examine my heart. Is this what's happening? Is this what's going on? And I believe for anyone who's a believer, these things are to some degree. But God wants to take us deeper. And I think the word for me last year probably could be saying intentional. There's an intentionality necessity to worship God sacrificially. And so it says there, first of all, a sanctified life bears his reproach. But secondly, a sanctified life praises God sacrificially. You know how I feel or not? doesn't matter. I'm going to praise God. A sanctified life thanks God sacrificially. Yeah, we could get all, all moaning about this. We don't know. Wait, wait, wait a second. What do we have? I have been this year, I think I've been more aware of how blessed that I am. We are. My wife and I and our family. We are blessed. A sanctified life does good and shares sacrificially. How are these things for you? As far as serving God acceptably in your life, in your heart. A sanctified life is pleasing to God. Pleasing to him. And I believe as a, you're, you're here, so obviously there's substance to your faith. You came here to hear the word. You came here to have fellowship. You came here because you know it's important. And so you're seeing. So I believe that the sanctifying process of, of the Lord in your life, he is faithful. Could you say amen? He will, be, he will finish the work he's completed. But how the communion table, the time when we come just to reflect on the cross and remember his death until he comes. In fact, if the guys can go back there and get that ready. No? We're out of resources. Okay. Well, there you have it. So this great, like, building up to it. And then we don't have the cups. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> Look what he says, verse 17. To 
because I think this one, and this one, I'm going to key off of this for next week. Let them do so with joy. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. The last one for me, a sanctified life is teachable. It's teachable. I'm willing to learn. We're willing to say, okay, God, what are you saying? And there needs to be loving leadership that reflects the heart of Jesus Christ. Marriages that are reflecting the values of God. People in being kind and gentle that come into our lives. That last one, obedience, necessitates being teachable. Willing to learn. Willing to take in the things of God. You know, around the same time as the movie we're going to be seeing, Jesus Revolution, because I was down in California for that. Around the same time, there was this, this uh, movement that started called the Shepherding Movement. I don't know if you remember that. People were being deceived in submitting to leaders who were not watching out for their souls. They were watching out for their control. My pastor said this, quote, a teacher should teach us to submit to God, not to himself. The leader is a servant. All of us, in our areas of responsibility, we need to be teachable. We need to be servants. To lay our lives down in doing what God's called us to do. So look to Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look to Jesus, who suffered to sanctify your life through the cross. Look to Jesus, who is the great shepherd of the sheep. We'll close with this next week. Then where are we going? We're going to go and do the gospel of Mark, which is a snapshots of the Savior is how I like to look at that. Immediately, immediately. The book is a fast-moving book in the life of Jesus. So we're going to look at the gospel of Mark next and keep our focus on Jesus. So would you stand with me as the worship team comes out? And maybe this is the time when you want to write a prayer out, request, and you can come up after and put it in the bowl. But Lord, we just want to worship you. We want to worship you, Lord. We want our lives to be living sacrifices, which is our reasonable service of worship. That our lives are just in your hands to do what you want. We're like clay in the potter's hand. And how we want to yield to your touch and yield to your spirit and lead, yield to the word as it's being, you know, taught to us and listening and hearing it. We love you, Lord.